0: this is John Mulder, the Executive Director of the Trillium Institute, along with Jason Becrow, welcoming you to Palliative Matters. We are palliative doctors who treat patients and families who are dealing with difficult medical circumstances, and we'd like to share what we have learned along this journey. How are you doing today, Jay? I'm doing good, John. How are you today? I'm doing great. Just a beautiful day, and I think every day that we have an opportunity to, to be together, to share, is a great day. I was just thinking from our last conversation, we sort of got talking about this concept of healing versus cure and we had shared the story of a patient who we really felt was healed in many dimensions even though we were not able to cure his underlying illness and we thought that might be a really interesting conversation to take a little deeper so i think that's what we ought to talk about today what do you think yes john i would love to discuss that with you today when i think about the concepts of healing and cure,
1: and sometimes the dichotomy of healing versus cure I think of several patients I've cared for over the years. And the the concept of healing, I think, is so, so important because oftentimes patients will have life altering and life limiting disease. And the concept of a long term cure may be somewhere between highly unlikely and just not possible. However, can one actually find healing under those circumstances? And time and time again, especially in our experience as hospice physicians, working with our hospice teams, I think we see that routinely. You had mentioned a patient who was dying of end-stage AIDS, very young man in his 20s with a lot of pain and suffering prior to when you and your team met him, saying that this had been the best six weeks of his life. He was not cured of HIV AIDS, but a significant amount of healing occurred in the time that you and your team helped care for him. And then can it be the opposite way too? I've seen in my practice patients with advanced cancer diagnoses that thankfully got to a point of cure. But can one be cured of their disease but not fully healed? The patient I think about the most was a uh, young woman who was diagnosed with advanced breast cancer and through the initial workup, the pre-surgical chemotherapy, surgery, post-surgical chemotherapy, radiation, and then starting Herceptin for about a year. It was about two years from the beginning of her diagnosis to the end of her treatments, at which point, quote unquote, she was cured. And I remember what a celebratory mood there was in the office that day, led by myself, quite frankly. And then I remember when she came back to see me at time three months, time months, maybe it was the one year follow-up, And she was still concerned about some symptoms she was having, weakness, fatigue, things such as that. And the thing that really stuck out to me was when she finally came in after several months and told me what she heard, and it really got my attention, what she heard was this. What I tried to convey was because there was no evidence of her cancer being back, everything was fine. What she heard was, if it's not cancer, I'm not interested. And I was so at first shocked to hear that because in my mind, if a person was cured, then automatically they achieved healing. And what she helped me understand was that isn't always the case. She had gone from diagnosis to treatments every day, practically for over two years was a lab draw, a CT scan, a chemo infusion a radiation treatment, a surgery, all of these things going on. And then when the treatment stopped, for her, it was like taking her seatbelt off in a very fast moving car. And it was very, very, very anxiety provoking. And again, I had no clue. And when things really slowed down for her is when her post-traumatic stress disorder related to the cancer really took off. And again, I was completely oblivious to this because I had assumed that because she was cured, she had met healing as well. And I just, it really dawned on me to be mindful. We try to celebrate when we achieve healing in the face of where cure is not possible, but to be also mindful that when our patients are cured, to try to also assess, have they achieved healing? And if not, are there things we can do to help with that?
0: I was exposed to this concept very early in my medical career. It was 1978, and I was doing a surgery rotation at a VA hospital in Allen Park, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And I remember it really distinctly because it was a VA hospital. So these were veterans and uh, almost exclusively men, almost exclusively older men. And there was this one gentleman that had a brain tumor. Now, at this point, his level of functioning wasn't great. His level of cognitive capacity was diminished and so he had a somewhat limited quality of life to begin with and as i was sitting in the pre-surgical meetings again as a third year medical student uh, what do i know but i'm just i'm there to observe and to learn and it dawned on me that this surgery is likely to cause significant neurologic damage it can't help but because of the location of the tumor and i timidly broached that subject and the reaction was you know, this guy's got a tumor, it's got to come out. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps what I've learned over you know, the subsequent four decades would be to question a little bit more. And so what next? What then? But I was a dutiful medical student. I assisted the surgery, which I found fascinating to be in the operating room when they're removing this large tumor from the brain. And I'm also was well aware enough of my neuroanatomy to know in the midst of the surgery, what was going on here and that there was a lot of tissue damage that was going to result in profound deficits. And in fact, we came out of the surgery after four hours or so and the surgeons were essentially high-fiving because they were so excited to have negotiated a very challenging surgery and effectively and completely removing this tumor despite the fact that they had left this guy permanently unconscious and and hemiparetic he would never wake up and he would never use his body normally again and yet they wow. were excited because they had cured him mm-hmm. i've never forgotten that moment because of of the dichotomy that existed there and you're right we have we have shared stories uh, on other podcasts in which we have talked about the, the reality of how healing can be so effective even in the midst of not being able to actually cure someone's underlying disease. But I remember this quote that I heard some while ago from a patient who said, cancer took away my tomorrows. Treatment is taking away my todays. And that always struck me because we have learned in medical school that our job as physicians are to fix broken things. Mm -hmm. And only until we acknowledge that there are broken things that we can't fix, only until we can acknowledge that there are ways that we can manage and treat patients in meaningful ways that will help them do well despite having these nasty diseases. John, again, you hit the nail right on the head. The concept
1: of just because we can do things, should we? It's a valid question. It's important we ask that. And again, it comes back to talking with our patients and their families. What are their goals? does the treatment help achieve the goal? When we assume as physicians, we tend to do that cure is the ultimate goal. We assume that anything makes that worthwhile. And again, when we assume some bad things can happen and why it's important that we're talking with our patients and families, truly understanding what their goals are, especially when there can be high risk of side effects or negative outcomes because of our interventions. It's so important to be mindful of the possibility of achieving cure where healing may be more of a challenge, but then it also kind of helps us think about, can the opposite be true as well? And again, that is uh, something we've seen time and time again in our careers. And again, those early situations that really stick out in our minds. I think of a gentleman who was diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer. Right on the day of diagnosis and his initial workup, he knows the prognosis is poor. And he writes this beautiful poem entitled, Why Me? And he handed me a copy of this, which I proudly display still on my office wall over 20 years later. At first, you assume that the question, why me, is written by a person who just realized he has a very advanced disease, life-limiting disease, and his mortality in the next several weeks to months is is quite high. And of course, he has the right to be upset and angry. And why me? Then as you read it, it is a beautiful poem. It's a spiritual poem. And he's asking, why me? Why have I been given this gift? To see life differently, to appreciate my family differently, to appreciate my life differently, to make the most of the life I do have. This gentleman was not cured of his pancreatic cancer. But I challenge you, was the man healed? I know the answer to that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I understand that. That's a wonderful reflection. I remember a situation again, when we, when we think of the words cancer and when we hear the words and concepts of terminality, how that influences people. I did a home visit on a, actually he was a, one of my former mentors whose uh, wife had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She went to the ER with some abdominal pain. They did an ultrasound and discovered a pancreatic mass. Now, interestingly enough, the pain she was having had nothing to do with that. And by the time she was being evaluated in the emergency room, the pain was gone. It was probably a little heartburn or something of that nature. But they did additional imaging and really determined that she had metastatic pancreatic cancer. And so I was called out to the home just to kind of meet with them and they were going to they wanted uh, some options and probably wanted to get hospice care started. And so I remember being on the door, my friend in hushed tones greeted me and took me back to the bedroom where she was in bed and she was sweet, color was good, uh, You know, bedclothes on and the sheets pulled up to her chin and she smiled and we had a good conversation. And after about five or 10 minutes, I asked the question, why are you in bed? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me with this, like, well, I'm... You know, I'm dying. And I said, Yeah, we probably need to talk about what that means to you. And in and around her room were these beautiful handmade needlework and crocheted items. She was very, very skilled at this. Mm -hmm. And she had been doing that up until two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, Why are you not doing that anymore? Well, because I was diagnosed with cancer. And so that gave us an opportunity to talk about living, to talk about life, to talk about abundant life, and just because the fact that you now have a diagnosis that we know is going to, at some point in time down the line, end up on a death certificate, does not mean that you stop doing what you were doing, or that you stop living, or somehow we just shut off the flow of both creative, meaningful, and relational opportunities for you. But somehow that mindset of, uh, I can't be cured, therefore I must be dying, and therefore this is what it looks like and means to die, and I'm going to adopt that persona. And I just thought that was a really interesting reflection. And we got her out of bed, we got her moving again and, and re-engaged life, and she lived a good long time, a number of months. And you know, we kind of affirmed that, no, you don't need to get the chemotherapy if you don't want to, and if you want to, that's fine too. But... The goal is not whether you get the treatment or not. The goal is how well are you living? Absolutely. Are, are the treatments allowing you to live better and to live well? Patients sets the goals. Are interventions
1: helping you achieve them? If yes, proceed. If not, let's have a discussion again maybe it's time for the patient on their volition to be empowered to hit the pause button if they so choose.
0: You may recall a few years ago, there was a, a study done and with your oncology past, you might've picked up on this particular study. And they looked at terminally ill patients with stage four lung cancer. And the survey was done at the time of diagnosis after their first visit with the oncologist. So the picture is, These people have been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, referred to oncology, and they interviewed these people after their first visit with the oncologist. Now, you and I know stage 4 lung cancer is a terminal diagnosis, that you can't survive that. Treatment might allow a few years, but you really can't survive a a stage 4 lung cancer. And so the goal of the study was to really determine whether people understood that or not. What they found was that two-thirds of the people coming out of these oncology visits. This is a multi-center study. And so there are a number of different centers involved. Two-thirds of the people thought they had a curable illness coming out of that. Mm-hmm. And we thought, how can that be? We, we really can't believe that the oncologists are all lying to their patients. The study was replicated with almost identical results with using different cancer centers. So then they decided to go in and talk with the oncologist and say, what, what does your conversation with these patients look like? And it was very, very consistent. They were not being dishonest. They were telling the people, we have a disease that we cannot cure, but we have some very effective treatments for it. And we think that you would respond well to the treatments. So they interpreted that language of, we've got treatments to which you might respond to mean we can cure you. We really have to understand the importance of our words, and the type of terminology we use so that people begin to have a good concept. As I would often tell the physicians that I'm lecturing to, would you be living your life differently today if you knew for sure that this was going to be your last Thanksgiving on earth? And to a person, they all nod their heads yes. I remember doing that once and of kind course. of the back room said, yeah, I sure wouldn't be sitting in your lecture right now. And I said, well, that's exactly my point and yet we are not giving our patients the opportunity to make those same sorts of choices because they live with this belief that somehow cure is on the horizon when it really isn't. So we need to encourage them to understand that healing is possible even when cure is not. And that's really, I think what it boils down to. And how do we define then healing versus the actual removal of the disease? Absolutely, John. And just to
1: wrap this up, that when we fail to seize on that opportunity, we take away from our, our patients. And so it's not only an opportunity, it's a responsibility to help folks know exactly where they're at, what their options are, and, and help them get to where they need to be. Especially, at, say, if cure is highly unlikely, healing still can be. And we have a opportunity, and again, I'll challenge us to see it as a responsibility to help our patients achieve that when we
0: can I agree. Thanks for the conversation again today, Jay. Always love our time together. Thank you again for listening in today to Palliative Matters. We look forward to having you join us on future discussions. Have a wonderful day.